This is the Nebraska Greats, a weekly podcast as a service to the Nebraska Greats Foundation, which serves former collegiate athletes facing medical needs and financial challenges. Your tax-deductible contribution will change the life of a former college sports hero. Please give online at negreats.org. And now, here's your host, Jim Rose. Ben, Matt Tompkins, and welcome again, everyone, to the Nebraska Greats podcast. This is a podcast to the, the Nebraska Greats Foundation, which serves former collegiate athletes from many of the 16 schools in Nebraska who have medical issues, face financial challenges. It's a thrill to have all of you with us. And our latest installment is really sort of a family affair. We go to the, the head of the family, a Nebraska football family for sure. The name Burrow will be very, very familiar to Nebraska fans over the last generation or two, starting with our guest today, former Husker All-Conference safety Jimmy Burrow, who played on the 1975 Big A Conference co-champion and also was the hero of the 1974 Sugar Bowl victory over the Florida Gators, winning a game against an SEC opponent. Now, that's something, Jimmy Burrow, that Nebraska fans would love to revisit. It's great having you here. Well, thanks for having me on. And, uh, you know, it's been a long time ago, but it's always fun to to relive those memories and and uh, talk about big wins like uh, like that Sugar Bowl. So, uh uh, it was it was quite quite a night. Uh, me being described as a hero, there, there were a, a lot of guys uh, that were involved in that, even more so than me. But uh, I, I did have a part in it, and uh, I think it was a big win for Coach Osborne and and really Nebraska football in general at the time. Well, we'll visit about the Sugar Bowl in a second, but the name Burrow is multi generational. Started with Jimmy on some of Coach Osborne's early teams, and then of course. Jamie and Dan Burrow, and the whole country knows about Joe Burrow, but to have Jamie and Dan play at Nebraska had to be a real thrill for the family. Well, it was, and, uh, you know, growing up, uh, those two set definitely wanted to to be a part of uh, Nebraska football, and, and uh, uh, that we were fortunate that, that both of them experienced that. Uh, Jamie was in Coach Osborne's last recruiting class, and, and Dan uh, came a few years later, uh, so – uh, both ended up playing for Coach Solich uh, for the most parts of their career, and and it, it just continued the uh, Nebraska tradition for our family, and and really uh, opened up another avenue as we got to know Coach Solich, and then uh, you know I ended up 14 years with uh, Frank Solich at Ohio, so uh, you know that that whole thing uh, with with those guys going to Nebraska was a was a big deal to our family. Let's start with how you got here. Now, many don't remember this. They may be able to tell by your accent, but you come from a little town, Emory, Mississippi, which is actually not far from Starkville, which is not close to any place. <laughs> how in the heck did you get from Emory, Mississippi to Lincoln, Nebraska? Well, uh, yes, I, I I was born in Virginia, but really grew up in Emory. And uh, uh, as I uh, entered the really fifth grade, uh, we we moved to Amory, although I'd, I'd been going to school there for several years from a commuting from a smaller, even smaller town than, than Amory. And we moved right next door to, uh, to a guy that uh, uh, was named Jim Walden. And uh, Jim Walden was the head uh, high school football coach at Amory. My dad would, had been the principal uh, and eventually the assistant superintendent and, and uh, uh, played a big part in hiring uh, uh, Coach Walden, who 
played for Bob Devaney at Wyoming and then played in the CFL. So when he was done, he was hired as the football coach. So fifth grade, we moved next door. Um, I started playing for him uh, in, in the 10th grade and uh, uh, as, a, as a defensive back. And eventually, once he left, I, I was the quarterback. But uh, Coach Devaney had, had given him a call and, and wanted him to, to join his staff in Nebraska. And uh, uh, so uh, he, he, he did. Of course, he, he loved uh, Coach Devaney and, and his success uh, uh, in college and getting a coaching job, you know, had, had a lot to do with uh, Coach Devaney's influence. And so then two years later, uh, I had been recruited by Nebraska, uh, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, uh, didn't know much about Nebraska. So it was basically State and Ole Miss was with the two that I was most interested in, uh, broke my arm uh, in this, in the game against Starkville for the conference championship. So both schools, really everybody kind of backed off because I wasn't a, for sure one of those, I don't even know if they had them back then, but I wasn't a five, five-star recruit, but, but both of them continued to ask me to, to walk on. I went to Ole Miss as a walk-on, started every game as a freshman and, and uh, thought I had earned the, uh, the right to, to be put on scholarship. And, and uh, uh, during that whole time, Coach Walden had, had uh, uh, kept up with me and, and uh, uh, heard that maybe uh, Ole Miss wasn't going to put me on scholarship. And so he went to Coach Devaney and uh, they had a spot open. And he said, hey, if it doesn't work out at Ole Miss, you can always uh, come here. So uh, went in again uh, to, to uh, Ole Miss, Billy Kennard, and said, hey, I'm I've got an offer to go play for Nebraska. I, th- I think he thought that I was kind of trying to pull a fast one on him because Nebraska had just won two national championships. And <laughs> hey, we're, we're just not ready to, to, uh, to put you on scholarship till we see what you can do in the fall. And I, I said, okay, I'm transferring to Nebraska. Walked out of the office, called Coach Walden and Coach Devaney, and, and uh, uh, that's, that's where it all started. Now, at the time, Ole Miss was really actually kind of a power in the SEC. John Vaught was their coach. You weren't recruited by Coach Vaught, or was he in the program at the very beginning of your recruitment there? You talked about Coach Kennard, but yeah. you know, I can't imagine John Vaught would let a, a, a star from Mississippi get away. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I'd always want to go to Mississippi State. My dad played basketball there, so I was a, you know, I had my cowbell. Uh, I mean, I was a, a diehard Mississippi State fan, but uh, – even enrolled in the summer school at, at Mississippi State, uh, but Ole Miss kept calling. They said I could play baseball, uh, so that kind of turned the tide. And uh, I'm not sure when Coach Vaught uh, retired, but Billy Kennard, which you know, that's another legendary name and family uh, in in Ole Miss football, uh, was was that's who recruited uh, me. And and uh, Archie Manning had had just graduated, uh, definitely. Uh, was recruited as a as a defensive player, not not a quarterback, and uh, uh, wanted to stay at Ole Miss. I mean, seventy miles from uh, from Amory. Um, you know, had a we had freshman teams back then, and and so you you grow uh, even more so with your freshman class uh, because you practice just with the freshman, and you know you played a six game uh, SEC schedule, and and uh, so I really had no desire to go that far from home to, to play for Nebraska, even though I knew uh, it was, uh, it was, it was the powerhouse of the, of the time, but Ole Miss uh, certainly 
had had it was in their heyday too, right after uh, uh, Archie Manning's year. So uh, uh, it was it was quite a, a a few weeks there trying to decide what to do. And I always say, I guess in in my family, I, I was the uh, one of the first transfers that eventually followed the, to to Joe and and his transfer from Ohio State. That was part of the family DNA, you know. Transfer is <laughs> not necessarily that unusual well, to the borough. My, my mom had won a, a state championship as a basketball player at a place called Fulton, and and transferred the, the next year to Smithville, to where she became a uh, even more of a, a basketball legend. So I guess she really started the whole transfer deal. <laughs> so we can blame Grandma, all right, and yeah, Grandma right. on this. <laughs> Actually, Jimmy, you were a very very good basketball player too. In fact. I think you said on occasion that basketball was really your first sport. Uh, did you get a lot of attention as a basketball player? Well, uh, again, my I was not the the biggest guy at the time, so you know I was a little undersized for really football, maybe and, and basketball. My dad, dad was a basketball coach. Uh, uh, I'd, I'd sat on the bench as kind of a, a manager mascot uh, growing up, and and uh, so basketball was really really what I loved. And, and it's kind of ironic that, uh, I, I had, uh, already pretty much committed to playing college football, but I didn't get picked for the high school all-star game in football, but I did in basketball, which is at the Coliseum in Jackson. So the afternoon, uh, uh I played, uh, in the, in the basketball all-star game and, and went as a spectator to the football game that night. So again, a lot of irony in, in that, but, you know, I still had hopes that, hey, somebody might see me that day and and uh, and, and let me keep playing basketball. But, you know, I, I pretty much knew uh, the direction to, to go was was football and, and made the right decision. Well, it's probably a good thing that Coach Walden, Coach Devaney, Coach Osborne didn't know that you were not picked for the all-star game because they're thinking, wait a minute, did we miss on this guy? If he's a <laughs> basketball player, how's he playing in an all-star game? And we're recruiting him as a football player, and he didn't get picked for the football all-star game. Well, that probably, but Coach Walden uh, had followed me enough. I think he had confidence. that. Uh, also, they uh, another kind of uh, thing in this whole deal was they needed a scout team quarterback. And back then, uh, you know, you did have pretty much unlimited scholarships and and Coach Walden uh, had told Coach Devaney, I believe, that, hey, I know that he can serve his purpose uh, that first year as a scout team quarterback. So uh, uh, my first year, literally, I, I practiced with the defensive backs, but as soon as a scout team quarterback was was needed, I, I went and did that against Willie Harper and, and John Dutton and, and uh, Rich Glover and that, and that whole group as the scout team quarterback, and, and uh, that was the year – Johnny Rogers won the Heisman and, and uh, we beat Notre Dame in the, in the orange bowl, but I spent really that whole year uh, for the most part playing quarterback. So that was really good for you to play defensive back. Cause then you didn't have to go up against all Americans and future first round <laughs> draft choices as the <laughs> scout team court. Cause you didn't exactly have all conference linemen in front of you as the scout team quarterback. So those guys really enjoyed taking on the scout team in practice. Yeah, I was, I can't, say that I, I wasn't nervous and scared, especially, <laughs> you know, the first couple of weeks I'd read all about these guys and now I'm uh, under, under center. Uh, and, and back then a lot of the teams were running the uh, wishbone or option uh, uh, offenses. And so I, I was carrying the ball a lot against those guys. So, uh, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was a, a great opportunity for me, but I was glad when, when the orange bowl was over and I was, 
fully invested as a defensive back. This explains why Jamie and Dan played defense and Joe didn't run the option. Now we know the secrets about the Burrow family. That's that's probably right. Actually, Dan was a pretty good option quarterback for for me at Ames High over in Iowa. And uh, but uh, you know we all uh, love defense, and and even even Joe uh, during the state championship game here in Ohio and some of the pre uh, some of the postseason playoff games, he did play some defensive back, and he always he loved defense. It's just as he became more and more. Uh, the quarterback, uh, you know, they wouldn't let him play, but uh, he, he liked it. He was physical, and, and uh, you know, he, he got that honest from, from the rest of our family. Visiting with Jimmy Burrow, uh, the father of Joe Burrow, Dan Burrow, Jamie Burrow, uh, the first family of Nebraska football over the last <laughs> 25 or 30 or 40 years. Uh, and this is a terrific opportunity to look back on not only those early years of Coach Osborne, but then all the way through what was a sensational college career for your third son, Joe Burrow, and not to the Heisman Trophy. So you get to Nebraska and Devaney retires and Tom Osborne is your coach. Now he's on the offensive side, really not much change for you on the defensive side because Coach Kiffin and Coach Bowers stayed. So much of that was the same. But talk about the difference between Devaney and Osborne as head coaches. Well, uh, uh, you know, Coach Osborne uh, had, had pretty much uh, called uh, the, the offense for several years in the championship years, and uh, so that was a, a pretty seamless transition to, 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 for him to be the head coach because he was still basically offensive coordinator and called all, all the, the, the plays uh, defensively, like you said. Uh, uh, I think Coach Walden left after, after my first year, and so there was a few changes here and there, but Kiffin and Powers were – were you know really the the two that were there the whole time, and their personalities, Coach Devaney, Coach Osborne, uh, you know they were uh, they were just so different uh, personality wise. They they were both very driven and, and uh, cared a lot about their players and and uh, uh, that that sort of thing. But uh, you know, for example, in the in the Orange Bowl, uh, you know we after the game we we had a big players party that. Coach Vanny had organized in the in the hotel, so I think that was from to keep us all from uh, from going out. And then uh, just remembering, you know, Coach Osborne in the in the uh, the bowl games, you know that that wouldn't be anything that that he would he would do. He was always concerned about us, uh, you know, going out and making sure we did the right thing. As Coach Devaney, <laughs> but I think you know just that personality of hey, I, I know you guys are going out, so I'm going to keep you in this hotel in a, in a big ballroom, where as opposed to I think Coach Osborne just just hoped we didn't go out and, and really tried to talk to us about doing the right thing. Well, it had to be hard for Coach Osborne. Here's Devaney, uh, extraordinarily popular with the fans, extraordinarily popular with the media, totally different personality. And uh, a former defensive back from your era once told me the story of how coach wanted to make sure Coach Osborne wanted to make sure everybody knew that he was in charge. So you can confirm or deny this particular anecdote, Jimmy, in a practice in Coach Osborne's first or second years when he decided to show the receivers how to run a route. And it was during a live drill. And he said, now, fellas, here's how you run this route. So he ran this route. The quarterback at the time, Dave Hum, threw the ball high. Tom went for it. And one of the defensive backs which you were in that core of defensive backs laid coach Osborne out. And afterward power says Devaney would have caught it. Is that true? Did that really happen? I don't, I don't know all those details, but I do remember 
Coach Osborne uh, lining up. I think it was against uh, Randy Borg, maybe uh, in, in a one-on-one situation. I, I can't remember the the results uh, totally, but uh, I, I'm sure if there was a ball thrown anywhere, that that uh, you know, Coach Osborne was going to lay out and do everything he could to to get it. And and knowing Randy and and you know how we were taught in the secondary for powers, he he wasn't going to let that opportunity to go either. So uh, I, it probably did happen that way. Coach Powers probably said, and said, go live. He said, go live. <laughs> well, you know, that's part of the uh, the great thing about both uh, Coach Vanny and Coach uh, Osborne. They were, they were, you know, so competitive. And uh, that that rubbed off on, on all of our players uh, and our, our team uh, dur- during uh, uh, Coach Vanny's years, certainly. And, and uh, Coach Osborne even got uh, passed on down to Coach Solich, who's as, as competitive as, as anybody. Those first few years of Coach Osborne, when you don't have Johnny Rogers and you don't have Jeff Kenny and some of the guys that were so critical uh, during the national championship years, defensively, Nebraska was actually quite good. Uh, one of the nationally ranked defenses in your first two or three years, uh, you were on that team. Uh, a lot of guys feel like, you know, if we just had a little bit more offensive success, we might have been able to win a championship or two, maybe get into another national title game. Defensively, there weren't a whole lot of there weren't a whole lot of steps taken back during Coach Osborne's first couple of years. We had great players, a, a lot of a lot of uh, guys that 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 played in the in the, in the NFL. I mean, we, you know, uh, Bob Nelson and Tom Root at linebacker, and Bob Martin and Ray Phillips and and uh, uh, Wander Mons and Dave Butterfield and and in the in the secondary and and. Uh, uh, up up front, we we had uh, just a, a a lot of guys that that played in the NFL. So uh, the players were there, and, and we had great coaches. And, and Monty Kiffin, who uh, eventually became one of the best defensive coordinator in in the in the history of the NFL, won a Super Bowl. And then Coach Powers, who was a very successful coach at Washington State and in Missouri. But you know, we never looked at it like that. I mean, we we believe in Coach Osborne. We believed in our offense, and and. Uh, uh, you know, there, there were times that uh, you always you always hope to, to score more points, but then there, there's always a few few games where, hey, maybe defensively, if we'd have played a little better, we wouldn't have lost that particular game too. But uh, we had a lot of good players and, and good coaches. Visit with Jimmy Burrow, former Nebraska defensive back. Now let's talk about that orange uh, Sugar Bowl game against Florida. Uh, good team in 74, got beat by Missouri. They had some NFL guys. I beat by Wisconsin on a on a, a play that you would typically not find. There was a, some broken coverage, and guy got free for a, a deep pass late in the game. And then, of course, Oklahoma, which won the national championship, even though they were on probation. Pretty good team. But in that Sugar Bowl game, defense really saved the day. First and goal at the one-yard line for Florida late in the third quarter, and they're already ahead 10 to nothing. They punch it in there. It's going to be hard. And you stop them. You individually stop fourth and one play to get the ball back to the offense. They subsequently went down to score, held, got the ball back, kicked a couple of field goals and won the game. But talk about that play. It was a pitch play. It was an option play, but talk about that play and uh, how it was drawn up by Kiffin and, and Powers to get you in position to make that game-saving play. They were Florida, which is unheard of to think about this, but they were actually running the, the wishbone uh, uh, back then, had uh, really, uh, as you said, a lot of great athletes on both both sides of the ball. And I think uh, it was a goal line stand. I think uh, uh, Wonder and, and Bob Nelson and, and uh, 
Tom Rude maybe had, had make, made a stop or, or two, you know, early downs. And then it was, it was fourth and one. We were down 10 to zero. They decided to, to go for it. And I was a corner at the time. Eventually uh, played safety the, the next year. But we were covering uh, the corners. If, if there was a wide out, the corner of that side, man-to-man coverage and on the goal line, uh, you just kind of knew they, they weren't going to throw. So coach Kiffin and coach powers had come up with a defense in the critical situation that even though you were covering the, the wide out man to man, you were peeking in the backfield. And if they ran the option, you just basically uh, executed a corner blitz uh, for the pitch and nobody else really was responsible. Everybody uh, made sure they had the quarterback. And, and uh, so I blitzed and, and they pitched it and I, I made the, made the tackle. I think it was yard line and, and, uh, uh, you know, some, some people may have may thought he slipped a little at the time, but uh, I was there, made him uh, uh, made him cut back and was able to make a, 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 a low tackle on him. And uh, Coach Osborne uh, um, made a change there at quarterback and put in Terry Locke, who, who was one of my best friends. And uh, uh, we had been roommates for a couple of years, being both from from down south and and. Uh, uh, Terry drove us 99 yards in the, the toughest circumstances that anybody can imagine. Uh, Tony Davis had a had a big big part in the drive and kind of got us back in the game. And then uh, a couple of field goals and and we win uh, 13 to 10. So uh, for me to come come down south and play an SEC team and 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 have a, a big play like that was pretty special. Was Coach Kennard in the stands that night? Uh, you should, did you send <laughs> well, him tickets? It was kind of interesting after the game. We had a, a of course, the, the it was a small uh, locker room. It was a lot of, uh, it was pretty pretty wild in there. And but the back then the the reporters were were actually in the uh, the locker room, and they uh, certainly I had my share of, of of guys from down south to to interview me and and just about the whole going to uh, Nebraska and making that big play and and I, I guess. In, in the excitement of everything at the end of, end of the interview, I, I just said, hey, uh, by the way, uh, uh, tell uh, Coach Billy Kennard, I, I said, Happy New Year. Uh, it was New Year's Eve. And the next day, that was just uh, all kind of headlines in the sports section down south was uh, that I had wished him Billy Kennard, wished Billy Kennard a Happy New Year. So uh, <laughs> it was kind of sweet revenge, I, I guess, but uh, it was it was a fun, uh, fun night. Funny thing happened for you guys in those last two bowl games that you played in, the 74 Sugar Bowl and then the Fiesta Bowl in 75. Our starting quarterback were not with us that day. They had some of their worst actual play of their careers. You talked about Dave Hum. Dave Hum was one of the most accurate passers Nebraska's ever had. He was having a horrible night in the Sugar Bowl. And Vince Ferragamo, what happened to him? I think he played one series in the Fiesta Bowl game against Arizona State. He was out. And Terry Luck came to the rescue again. Yeah, I mean, those are uh, two of the best quarterbacks to ever play at, at uh, uh, Nebraska. And, and David Hum and, and Vince both had had long NFL careers. And, uh, you know, it, it happens. Uh, and, and so, uh, fortunately, uh, you know, we had Terry, uh, who, had, who had started games uh, before uh, our senior year. And, and they were, he was a captain, so you knew – Everybody was very confident in in Terry, and and you know we uh, everybody was a big fan of, of, of Terry just because he was a team leader. Even though he was backing up those those two guys at the time, he was still a team leader, and 
and very involved in, in the, uh, really everything that the offense did. Uh, and so, yeah, they, uh, David had a, had a, a, a bad, uh, game there and, and, and Vince, but, uh, uh, once again, I, I've seen, I've always said David Hum was, was one of the most accurate quarterbacks that I've ever seen period. And that includes all my years coaching. And then, uh, Vince wasn't, was like that too. And certainly, uh, he led the Rams of the Super Bowl and, uh, I actually played against him in, in Canada once when, when he was up there. So, uh, uh, you know, fortunately, the, the, the Sugar Bowl, we were able to, to come back and win, and we fell a little short in the Fiesta Bowl. But uh, both of them, for, for me, were, was uh, it's fun to, to think back at those games. Terry Luck, uh, and I was a younger guy at the time, Jimmy, but from what I gather visiting with his teammates and from what I gather visiting with coaches, Terry Luck could have been a great quarterback if he hadn't had so many knee injuries that he was highly recruited coming out of North Carolina. I think he actually got a cup of coffee in the NFL with the Cleveland Browns, which was unheard of for a backup quarterback to get that much of an opportunity. But if it hadn't been for so many knee injuries, Luck could have been a Heisman Trophy candidate at Nebraska. Do you believe that too? There's no doubt. I mean, when I got there, I think the knee injuries had already started, but uh, my understanding was uh, was Terry was a great uh, runner, uh, a great open field runner, very physical. He had size. He had a cannon uh, at, at, for an arm. He could throw it in the, into the upper deck at the uh, Nebraska Stadium. There uh, was a, was a great uh, personality and, and, and leader. Uh, he had been a really good basketball player, and so I, I don't think there's any doubt he could punt. He could have been a punter for us also. And so uh, back then, you know, knee injuries didn't didn't you weren't able to come back from them quite like you you are uh, today. And like you said, uh, uh, Terry played with the Browns. I, n- I know at least one season he started uh, several games. And uh, you're, you're right. If, if he'd have had a healthy knee, uh, he would have gone down as, as, as one of the best ever at Nebraska and, and possibly in the whole uh, uh, college football. Visiting with Jimmy Burrow, uh, you talked about Jamie and Osborne's last recruiting class. And I know a lot of Nebraska fans are very, very unhappy that this sort of ended with Jamie Burrow. Jamie was a good football player in high school and had some interest. But Jimmy, talk about how Coach Osborne walked into the recruiting room and said, he's no longer borderline. He's Nebraska material. And this is after a 60-3 and run when they could get about anybody they wanted. But talk about what that meant for your family when Coach Osborne said, he's not just a player, he's family. Well, uh, eventually, you know, I, I, I was there working with uh, George Darlington and, and, and Craig, Craig Bowl uh, under uh, uh, Coach Solich. And uh, Craig Bowl told me the, the, the story about they had gone uh, back and forth for like you normally do with a, with a guy that's a, a borderline of whether you're going to offer him a scholarship or – or, or not, uh, you know, Jamie was was uh, the player of the year in in uh, Iowa, and I'm sure they had to 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 put him up against all the the best linebackers across the country. So they were going back and forth, back and forth, and then after several weeks, they they were having a recruiting meeting, and Coach Osborne uh, walked in, and before any discussion about anybody, he just said, uh, "We're offering uh, Jamie Burrow a scholarship. He's a He's a great player. Uh, his dad was a heck of a player for us. It's a, it's a great family. And uh, 
uh, I want him to play for Nebraska. So uh, uh, when we got that call from from uh, Dan Young and and uh, uh, you know Coach, Coach Osborne, it was uh, certainly uh, as a as a parent that was one of the the more special days in 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 my life to know that that Jamie was going to uh, play for Coach Osborne at at uh, Nebraska. So uh, once again, just says a lot about. Coach Osborne and and his uh, how he cared for for his players and what he thought of them and that's a that's certainly a big big part of how come so many former players uh, really uh, love Coach Osborne and and I think you'd be surprised how many of his former players uh, ended up being coaches and I think a lot of that is because they they just were were uh, were so. Uh, involved with uh, how he did things and and how well he treated players, but you kind of wanted to you you actually wanted to be like him, which was going to be hard to do. But uh, uh, that was a great day, and we were we're fortunate that Jamie uh, you know got that call and and played uh, the one year for Coach Osborne and then Coach Solitz and then uh, certainly Dan uh, f- followed in his footsteps. Which brings us to Joe Burrow. Um, <laughs> It's worked out for him. <laughs> Things worked out for him. But I know that it was it was very, very painful for the Burroughs because Joe really wanted to play at Nebraska. I mean, this was was this not his goal from the time he knew the difference? Yeah, it, it was. I mean, we haven't really dwelled on, on that and talked a whole lot about uh, this in, in public, but um uh, yeah, I mean, he, you know, he had the Nebraska gear growing up. Uh, once we were at Nebraska, uh, uh, you know, eventually uh, he learned to ride a bicycle on on the, the turf at Memorial Stadium. So we kind of in our family just always assumed if he was good enough to to, to play at college, that that's 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 where where he would go. But uh, you know, as you said, uh, it, it didn't it didn't work out. Uh, uh, Couple different times we think it might happen, but but it didn't. And you know, I'm a coach, so I I have to respect uh, uh, certain decisions that that you make as a as a coach for what's best as your team for your team. And uh, but our, our family, uh, uh, I mean, we we did uh, we we wanted him to to go uh, play play quarterback at, at Nebraska, and he could run uh, well enough to. To, to, to run the option if, if anybody, you know, wanted him to, to do that. And, uh, uh, but as you, you said, it, it all turned out uh, pretty good for him. Yeah, it turned out. But when I, I just recall watching him accept the Heisman Trophy, Jimmy, and this is not meant to share with you just because you're sitting here. But I've seen a lot of acceptance speeches in sports over the last 40 years. You have too. I've seen a lot of people stand up and say nice things. I've seen a lot of people stand up and say stupid things, but I've never seen a speech like that. Uh, talk about it, it just, it compelled the nation. I mean, it, it, it touched the nation, what he said and how he said with the sincerity in his voice. And he, he, he just, he saw nothing but blessings. Uh, and when he was able to articulate what this meant to him because of all of the people that had been around him all those years, it was really, truly moving. Talk about that night. Did you know what he was going to say? Did he test drive any of that with you and his mother? Well, there's so many things going on those few days at the Heisman. I mean, it's a whirlwind of, of, of events uh, uh, going from, from really the time you, you get there. And I think it was about 
oh, two or three hours maybe before before the the, the ceremony, and uh, uh, we we I told his mom uh, uh, Robin I said hey I'm going to go down and and ask him if he if he hasn't even thought about it, if he had anything prepared so I walked down to his to his room and and he w- he was sitting at the desk and just had a small uh, piece of paper and was uh, I said are you are you good with you know what you're going to say and he said yeah I'm just jotting down a uh, a few things here on this uh, this piece of paper, and uh, so uh, I had no idea what what he was going to say. And so, uh, you know, as, as parents, you're always uh, worried about about uh, how he's going to handle himself in in that situation. And uh, uh, but uh, I think he got out his his small little piece of paper and and maybe went off of it for for a few minutes, and then I, I saw him just. Put it away, and he really, you know, just just spoke from from the heart, and uh, uh, you know, he he was thankful to to a lot of people that that played a role in in uh, his development and to get him to that point. And uh, again, as 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 parents, uh, you know, you're certainly proud of him on the on the football field, but uh, uh, even more proud that he's able to to stand up and articulate, you know, what other people. Uh, mean to him and, and his success. I mean, we're watching it from my house in Valley, Nebraska, and I'm reduced to tears. What what were you feeling? What what were you and Robin feeling when you saw all this? Well, we we were we were overwhelmed uh, with, with with emotion. I, I think we we pretty much kept in check, but inside it was you know we were about ready to uh, to explode, and because you know you're you're watching your son uh, accept the Heisman and then you're looking behind him and uh, you know, there's, there's Johnny Rogers and, and Eric Crouch, both of which, you know, I was with, uh, on, on that team when, when they won the Heisman as a coach and as a player. So I know uh, how much it meant to them. And, and then you see Paul Horning and, and uh, just uh, uh, Archie Griffin and, and just the, all the greats that we all, uh, you know, grew up at some point, uh, really idolizing and respecting, and you're 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 looking, and your son is now uh, a member of of that elite group, and uh, uh, just meant a lot of uh, uh, to us, and meant a lot to us that that Joe had put in the hard work, and certainly uh, had had roadblocks, had setbacks, and uh, had overcome those, and uh, was at the top of the the college football world that that particular night. I think what really reached Nebraskans that night, Jimmy, was that guy should be our guy. Okay, that's the kind of guy we want in this program. That's the kind of Husker hero that we all grew up with. And I think there was there was obviously a, a lot of uh, happiness for him and for you and the family, but there was also a lot of envy because a lot of Nebraskans wish that that he had been our guy standing up there. And even if he hadn't won the Heisman Trophy, they, they wanted that kind of guy in this program. Uh, and I'm sure a lot of other people felt the same way. So when he gets drafted by the Bengals, he gets to go play for one of the other Nebraska quarterbacks who is an outstanding individual, not just a really good football player and a really good coach, but a really great guy in Zach Taylor. And I see these two as parallel personalities. What, what's your impression of the relationship between Joe and, and Zach? Well, he, we, had, we had talked. I had met him when he was at the University of Cincinnati because we – we spent time with those guys at, at camps in the summer and, and uh, Luke Fickle uh, uh, 
well, I guess he probably wa- he wasn't there at the time. But some of those assistants on defense, we had spent time talking football, same thing with the offense. So I, I knew Zach from from there. And you just it's kind of the, the Nebraska family. You you know you people without maybe having even met him, but I had met him. Uh, we had some conversations before the uh, the the senior bowl uh, about Joe going there, and and uh, uh, but before the before the draft, and uh, uh, you know he's a sincere. Uh, individual. He always uh, has been honest with, with us. Uh, I know Joe has commented uh, even in the last couple of days about uh, his relationship with, with Zach and, and how they're, they're, uh, uh, they, they have a great relationship and, and they really hit it off from, from the first time they actually talked in person, which was at the combine. So uh, Joe's confident in, in Zach Taylor and, and, uh, what he what he's getting done there, and what what they will get done in the future, and you know, as again as a as a family, we couldn't be happier. You know, that is playing for Zach uh, because uh, we still we still love Nebraska, we still care about it, and to to have Joe playing for somebody that that uh, that did uh, have have background, you know, for the Huskers is is a uh, uh, special to us. Yeah, I got to know Zach very well, and. He and Joe are exactly the same guy, except Joe has a little bit more talent, a little bit bigger. <laughs> other than that, they are the same guy. <laughs> a little bit stronger arm, a little bit quicker feet, but otherwise they are the same guy. Well, they're they're both uh, you know hardworking. They're both competitive. Uh, uh, I think they do share a, a lot of the same uh, offensive beliefs in in concepts in the passing game, and and you know how to how to move the offense forward and the direction that they, they need to go to, to be uh, successful in the NFL. So, uh, you know, it's, it's been a good, uh, a good pairing of, of, of those two. And uh, we're excited for that, that future to, to, to really get going again next year. Jimmy, great talking to you. Thank you so much for your time here today. And you know, Dave Hum was the very first recipient of a grant from the Nebraska Greats Foundation. So it's, Perfectly appropriate and, and wonderful the former teammate of his has joined us on the podcast, but we wish you very well. And we'd love to see all the boroughs back in Nebraska, at least for a visit sometime soon. Oh, we're coming back. And, uh, uh, you know, my wife's from, from Nebraska, mo- most all of her family uh, still lives back there and Jamie's uh, back there. And uh, Bill Moose is a good, good friend of mine, the athletic director. So uh, we're uh, excited uh, that uh, Nebraska football is going to, get back to what it once was, and we're going to be at some games in the, in the near future. Can't wait to see you. Ladies and gentlemen, that's uh, Jimmy Burrow, former Nebraska standout safety, and, of course, the father of uh, the following generation of Burrows, from Jamie Burrow to Dan Burrow and Joe Burrow here on the Nebraska Greats podcast. And if you want to be a part of it, please uh, feel free to log on to www.ngreats.org. All gifts are welcome and are deductible, and we'd love to have you as a part of it. Thank you very much to Jimmy Burrow, and thanks to all of you for listening, and we'll talk to you again next time. This has been Nebraska Greats, a weekly podcast serving the Nebraska Greats Foundation. You can find each episode on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Play, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Please give generously to serve Nebraska's former sports heroes in need at anygreats.org. And be sure to follow the Any Greats on Facebook and Twitter.